we have created so much conversation and people are like uh, willing to talk and uh, think about the, when they see the pictures, when they hear their stories, they immediately know these folks are their neighbors. You know, they are part of their own community and they are contributing uh, and they are affected by all the things that you are affected by. And that creation, that, you know, uh, spreading that empathy is what I believe creates the inclusiveness. And that is what makes us all come together as a part of our uh, neighborhood, our community. That's what we feel like we are doing. Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner. And it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you're a fan of the show, make sure you leave a review, rate the show, and share it on social media. It does a, a great deal to help us build our audience. And by the way, if you like some of the guests that you've heard and you have some ideas on others that might be a great fit, please email me directly at rob at robeigner.com. That's R-O-B at R-O-B-A-I-G-N-E-R.com and uh, send me some guest ideas. All right, thanks so much for listening. Hello, Clear Choices listeners. Thanks for being here today. Immigration. America is a country made up of immigrants. My parents are immigrants. Probably many of your parents are immigrants. It's an important topic. And today's guest is a specialist in that very topic. So I'd like to welcome Sankar Rahman. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rob, for having me. I appreciate you being here. You know, I, I was looking through your website and looking at all the, the wide range of uh, stories that you're telling here of these, these immigrants from all over the world. First of all, what, what possessed you to start this, this program? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, um, I retired from my job uh, career in 2016, October. Well, before that, too. But then uh, when I came home after traveling and taking some time off from work and I was uh, going to different places, it was 2016, October, when I com- came home to Portland. At that time, the election was in full swing. Uh, if you remember, 2016 election was uh, grounded on immigration and especially scapegoating immigrants, immigrants of color. And as you know, uh, the election rhetoric started with this man uh, coming down the escalator saying these immigrants were rapists and murderers. And that theme continued. By the time when the election happened, it was clear that the immigrants are going to be single-handedly scapegoated, uh, you know, uh, pushed to the othering process, etc. So around January, you know, when the you know when the inauguration happened, I started to hear that read, uh, you know, the the those rhetoric as emboldened a lot of people 
and started uh, violence against immigrants. And uh, to, you know, January 20th, when uh, the uh, inauguration happened, that time uh, there were cases where uh, the immigrants were attacked. You know, uh, there were bad, uh, you know, rhetoric, and then hate speeches were committed against them. And in one case, there were one Muslim young woman, 17 years old, taking the public transportation to go to high school. Was her hijab was pulled, and she held her hijab with a, a bobby pin or something, and the pin was like pulling her scalp, and she was blood, you know, coming down. And there were stories like that, you know. I was reading uh, in the newspaper, and by the end of February, in uh, February 22nd, to be precise. In Kansas, there are two Indian guys uh, taking a break from work and you know, going to happy hour, drinking a few beers. And he, they were shot because they were thought to be uh, immigrants and they were unwelcome and they were told to go home and they were shot. And at the end of the day, one of the guys were shot dead. And uh, I realized, you know, I cannot just sit by and watch these things go. Uh, without doing something about it. We needed to do something. And then I decided um, I wanted to tell stories of immigrants to counteract the rhetoric that was out there. And the very next day, I registered the name immigrantstory.org. And that's how it started. I love that. And I, 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 you know, it's so in alignment with what I wanted us to be talking about when I saw your, you know, when I learned about your website and your organization. So you yourself are an immigrant. You're from Eastern India. So what was that like? You came here as a, a graduate student to Purdue University to become an engineer. What was that like for you um, in, in the time yeah. frame that you came here? Yeah, it, it was the 1980s. Uh, those days, again, uh, this rhetoric was always there. Uh, and I came at the time in the middle of Iranian hostage crisis. And every foreigners were Iranians those days. And I was in the middle of, uh, you know, Indiana. Uh, and, uh, you know, granted that uh, university towns are kind of guarded and safeguarded. And, you, you know, we were there to study. Uh, and we were young, you know, I was young. Um, so I, you know, went about most of the time it's okay, but it was not easy to be a, in Midwest those days, uh, you know, being uh, an immigrant of color. It is always stays with you. Yeah. Um, did you, did you experience a lot of, you know, a lack of acceptance when you came here or did you feel relatively welcome in a, in a university setting? Uh, it, it is, it is depends on, you know, there is a pockets of places where you all be okay, you know, welcome. And, you know, my graduate school friends are my, uh, you know, school and environment was perfectly all right. You know, the, within the college is perfectly okay. But, you know, if, if you just to go outside, even outside of the campus and even to the smaller towns, you know, you would feel unwelcome. You know, you would definitely feel unwelcome. There will be, you know, you often hear words like go home. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, yeffing that or this or that, you know, you will hear all those things, you know. Yeah, I, I totally understand. So, uh, so many of us, uh, uh, obviously both of us were, you know, uh, revolted by a lot of the things we saw this past president uh, uh, do when it comes to, to immigration and, and the way those people were sort of, 
you know, discussed and sort of positioned, it was all very strategic in a, in a not productive yeah, right. way. Right. I'm, I'm curious with all these interviews that you've done, what do you feel like the, the change that you're able to impact with these stories that you're getting out there? What, what have you noticed has been the, the impact uh, societally? Yeah, the, it, it, I think the most important thing is I really wanted to create conversations, you know, by bringing these stories in public and we do a lot of exhibitions, uh, we tell stories uh, and bringing those exhibitions to public spaces, bringing this podcast, bringing the uh, video stories. What we try to do is to number one is awareness. Number two is create conversations. And, uh, you know, uh, that is what is important. So we have created so much conversation and people are like, uh, you know, um, uh, willing to talk and uh, think about when they see the pictures, when they hear their stories, they immediately know these folks are their neighbors. You know, they are part of their own community and they are contributing uh, and they are affected by all the things that you are affected by. And that creation, that, you know, uh, spreading that empathy is what I believe creates the inclusiveness. And that is what makes us all come together as a part of our uh, neighborhood, our community. That's what we feel like we are doing, you know. So, so when you say creating a conversation, obviously, you know, you, you, these are podcast interviews, they're available on YouTube, they're available in different formats. Mm. Are you having dialogues in a, in a forum, meaning yes. like in, in a, in a, in a auditorium or whatever, you're right. having actual dialogue with groups of people. Right, right, right. And what have you noticed? What, give me, give us some idea of some of the profound change that maybe you've seen in those rooms. It is like people coming to us and say, you know, I have not heard this or I have not uh, seen this or I didn't know these things happen in my community um, or I didn't know such people actually live here um, and things like that. You know, a lot of times, you know, you go go on by your life and uh, you may or may not encounter your neighbors, but then the moment you start to hear their story and you feel like, my goodness, you know, I didn't know that you went through it. That is even for your own neighbor. You know, a lot of times we don't take the time to understand our neighbors and ask the question, hey, you know, where are you from? You know, uh, uh, tell me about yourself. You know, um, we don't personally know them. And this is, this allows them to ask a few questions to get to know them and get to uh, understand their story. And that's what makes a difference in what we are doing. It, it doesn't need to be in a formal setting like a roundtable discussions in a public forums and where we discuss you know, some tough topics, but it could be simple uh, conversations like, how are you doing? What are you up to? Uh, you know, how was your day? Just getting people to engage more than, right, I know right. that guy, he's my neighbor, yeah. Right, right. Have you ever thought about hosting your own podcast? This episode of Clear Choices is brought to you in partnership with Libsyn, powerful podcast hosting, the podcast hosting, distribution, and monetization platform since 2004. Use promo code CHOICES and you can get over one month of free services. Go to Libsyn.com, promo code CHOICES. 
And um, is there, uh, and not that, not to put you on the spot and ask you to pick a favorite, it's not really what I'm asking, but when you look at all these uh, wide ranging individuals that you've interviewed from all over the world, are there any that sort of stand out to you as a poignant example of what it is you're trying to communicate? Yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah, there are many stories. There are many, many stories. You know, we have done 180 stories. Uh, it's hard to pick, Rob. You know, as you know, I interviewed your your parents, you know. Um, they are survivors. You know, those survivor stories, uh, you know, are powerful, are poignant, you know, meaning, like you said, you know, they made a choice to come here uh, and they made a life uh, and they... They thrived, uh, and but then people who see, you know, people like your father or your mother, they don't know what they have gone through. You know, they, they, you know, people don't know where they are from, and those survivor stories in your father, you know, in your parents' case, they are Holocaust survivors. You know, those stories are powerful, and you know that that story talks about how much of a resilience they had uh, to make a living that they have done. And those survivor stories are powerful stories. And that is, you know, and then we also hear about stories about love stories, you know, stories of making food. I heard about a story. So some of them are cultural. Yeah, cultural, very much so. You know, I, you know, we told a story about this person who came from Thai uh, and started a food scene in Portland uh, you know, making Thai food popular and, uh, you know, uh, pervasive, things like that. You know, they are, uh, they are, you know, trailblazers, you know, they are um, creators of, uh, you know, new food culture or fashion industry or, you know, what have you, you know, those are the stories that we tell. And, uh, you know, th- we don't know what story we are going to hear. We go and sit down and listen to them. And the next thing you know, uh, wow, is that the story? You know, we just, you know, I just finished an interview before I came here. Uh, it's about a woman, uh, Azara woman from Afghanistan and such a, uh, you know, powerful story. You know, young woman, uh, you know, 24 years old. Uh, uh, you know, those kind of stories are like amazing, you know. So with all these, you know, you said you did, you said you've done 180 interviews, right? Right. Okay. So, so. What would you say would be some of the through lines or consistencies that you see with all these interviews? Yeah, you know, like yeah, like yeah. you mentioned, my parents' resiliency. I'm assuming right, resiliency right. would be one oh, yeah. that you probably see with all these stories. Right. But right, what right. else? What were some? What would be some other through lines? Right. Right. I think you know if you look at the common theme, you know these folks are resilient. You know to give up everything to come to a new country. Without knowing a language, but in most cases, in a dollar or two with them, and we hear those stories. That's what America is made of, right? Your father and your mom would tell you the story how they took the train from uh, you know East Coast to West Coast and spent that little money they had on one food, and then they had nothing left when they landed in Portland. You remember the story, of course, uh, right? And then your mom becoming you know, a salon owner, and she was thriving in Portland. Uh, you know, those kind of stories, the, the resilience of those stories are amazing. Uh, and and then the second thing that I always hear is that, 
you know, uh, there is always, you know, one of the survivors, you know, actually a Cambodian um, survivor, uh, genocide survivor, she told me, told us um, that, you know, America is full of angels. You know, they said, uh, you know, often you hear about stories about this person, you know, coming out a stranger, uh, helping out, you know, making a difference in their life. It could be an ESL teacher or it could be their neighbor or it could be a volunteer Whoever, you know, this lady said is America is full of angels. It doesn't look like it. You know, when you say in America is so independent and so selfish, it seems like. But to hear her say that, you know, there are people who are go out of the way to, uh, you know, become uh, their, uh, you know, the, the one of the girls, uh, you know, Burundi told me I have a bonus mom, you know, like I asked what is bonus mom, but you know, that means, you know, this, this lady adopted these kids and they treat uh, the, the, these kids as their own. And so the kids call them as a bonus mom and things like that. You know, the third thing is, you know, I see stories of uh, people who have come from very, very tough situation, like genocide survivor from Burundi, a different one. And as a college student, you know, she wanted to go back to the refugee camp and help the girls out. You know, she was 18 years old. She was a freshman in college and she designed a, a study abroad program and collected like $17,000 as a refugee girl, uh, you know, when other students and her peers would go to, you know, say Europe to enjoy and be learning about these things or enjoying something. But she wanted to go back to the refugee camp to give back, to make a difference in other girls' life. And so I hear a lot of stories about people giving back, people wanting to give back to the community. And I think if I, I were that. to... You know, if I were to look at the themes, and these are the three themes constantly evolves, you know, different forms, uh, people who are resilient, you know, all of them are resilient, and people who have helped them out. And, uh, and, and then they give back. And they give back. Now, now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that there's such a high propensity of these immigrants to give back because they're grateful for what they've received? Or do you think it's cultural from where they they have come from like what what what's your guess on that i i think i think it's because of the generosity of them living now and they want to help somebody else we interviewed one person from i think kenya about a month ago and she was saying you know she was homeless you know and somebody took uh, took her in and now she is uh, she is a business owner small business owner she's running a business and she says she wants to help somebody else out because she was being helped. I don't know whether it's just a, just a gratitude or it is because of the community they came from and that values, uh, you know, helping others. I'm not sure, but I see this, you know, constantly in the mode of giving back. And I think that is the beauty of human nature. And I think, you know, people are helping each other, uh, giving a hand uh, at the same time, once you are in a position to help, you you return the favor. I love that. I love that. And it must be so fulfilling for you to be a part of so many of these interviews and hearing these stories, and and it's a, I'm sure very gratifying to you. So let's let's kind of switch back to the the political end of the spectrum for a second, and and, and to ask, what do you see 
would be the most helpful from a policy point of view around immigration? Like what would make, what are some of the changes you'd like to see that would have the most significant impact? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. You know, this is this is a very important question. I don't think a lot of people realize this, or some people may realize it. Last four years, right, we had one uninterrupted policy changes after policy changes. As you know, there was a xenophobic, racist, uh, you know, person in charge of immigration. Uh, he was the advisor to the President Trump, and he was making a lot of policy changes, uh, Stephen Miller. And those mm-hmm. policy changes, nobody is tracking them. How many policy changes went into it? A lot of them are executive order. It started with the Muslim ban, and it kept on going one after another. And in fact, you know, those policy changes to just to revert back, you probably remember the first few days, uh, Biden did a lot of undoing of those uh, policy changes, but still there are a lot more. Only today they announced, you know, they are going to take 20,000 20, asylees. Uh, the the refugee intake has come to, a, a, you know, near zero, for example. Uh, it We used to get so many refugees and then it became like zero. And now slowly they have to restart the program. You know, even legal immigration like H-1B, you know, that one, you know, cut down so drastically. So they have a lot of, even the name of a nation of immigrants in the, in the mission statement was taken out. So there is fundamentally, there's a lot of work to be doing. Um, uh, and there are, of course, big challenges like uh, pathway to citizenship or, uh, you know, refugee intake. Uh, getting back on, um, you know, right terminology with uh, all the different refugee helping and uh, the the organizations that we are involved in. So there's a long ways to go. Um, And I think, you know, Biden is on the right track. Um, And I don't know if there is any tally of what has been reverted and what has been, what still need to be done. And I hope uh, it all happens in a timely manner. Besides policy, you know, you're you're obviously doing something that can really make a difference. But, you know, you're one man in Portland, Oregon, right. inter- interviewing 180 people like that's not going to solve the problem. Right, right, what, right. So what are what are some of the non policy, non politically related things that you think could kind of slowly turn the tide of this toxic, you know, four years that we've experienced? Right, right. And I think it is like, you know, just a rhetoric, right? You know, uh, America, you know, historically, right, we have have this tendency to come up with America for Americans, you know, which is basically the tendency. The xenophobia has been used forever, right? Uh, America starts off with Benjamin Franklin, who is actually uh, the English Protestant uh, person you know, bad-mouthing the Catholic Germans. Both of them are white, but that is how the country started out. The, the othering process existed throughout the history of the America, right? It was either, you know, it is, uh, it is, it is, it started out with, uh, you know, Protestants versus Catholics, and then Italians or Irish or, you know, uh, Jewish community. Every community that was newcomers were 
put in their place, so to speak, according to the people who are already been here, uh, as a means of saying you do not belong here. And I love I love that term. I don't love it, but I, I I've never heard it, so I, I I appreciate it. And that is the othering right. of, of other people. I, I think that's a, a really uh, powerful way to to phrase it. You know, you you bring up an interesting point that you know different. Um, immigrants and and um, people with different religious beliefs, different colors, et cetera, they're in our country, they're automatically kind of put in your place. I'm using your words. Right, right. Now, I'm curious on your opinion, if how much of that is a self-choice versus a societal choice, meaning, you know, oftentimes like, you know, I, I live in Los Angeles. So if I go to, uh, I'm just making it up, Koreatown, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it seemed it might, my perspective on it is a lot of the Koreans want to be there. They want to have their, their foods and the language spoken and they like, they, it's almost like they want to be there, but you know, they're, I'm curious what your perspective is on how much of that is a choice by the immigrants versus a kind of forcing of othering. To right, right, word. right, right. You know, you, you, you want to think America is a melting pot, uh, meaning that we come in and we fit in and we are part of the neighborhood, part of the community. But oftentimes it may not be, you know, uh, the case. And uh, the more rural, more, uh, you know, places you go to, it tends to be much more obvious. Uh, so uh, the newcomers, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, throughout the history of America has chosen uh, to be in their own pockets of uh, neighborhoods that would uh, give them sense of security, uh, job opportunities, are speaking the language and creating a community for that purpose they may have chosen that way you know you you know even in older older times you you would see in uh, boston or in in uh, in new york uh, you would see italian community or irish community you know or jewish community you know you would see that community because their own sense of security needed that you know small uh, enclosure so to speak mm-hmm. but i think if you were to become more idealistic you know more uh, welcoming uh, but then it it doesn't need that you know we don't need that kind of a thing so i think it is uh, out of necessity uh, people have uh, preferred that type of a community you know we always are like a people who belong to certain herd uh, mentality because that's how we survive collectively, and uh, that's the reason why that is the case. But in general, we want to thrive for, we want to look for a society that is uh, that is more welcoming. It's more like a melting pot. It is not there yet, but I'm one day I'm hoping when you when you start to more welcoming, then it will happen. I think. Yeah, and no, I, 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 of course, hope that as well. I'm curious if you feel like, I mean, obviously, it, it's been a very difficult four years, but I'm curious if you think that this kind of visceral experience we've had around, you know, differences, othering, uh, immigration issues, et cetera, if even though it's it's felt like a setback of to, to people like you and I, but I wonder if this sort of backwards tracking that we've done in a way is a positive, meaning it exposes light on things and it it makes people like you and and many, many others and various movements to choose to have a positive impact on this important issue. Do you, so do you see this backwards step that we've taken as a positive in ways? Uh, you know, there are some positive things that a lot of people got activated. 
by this. And you can see there are members of Congress that we start to see a newer version of it. You know, I'm so glad that uh, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, the vice president, uh, is a daughter of an immigrant, you know, two immigrant parents. You know, things like that happen. Uh, I don't know whether it happened as, a, you know, um, the effect of what happened in four years. But I think because of what happened, the rhetoric, people like me got activated. I would have happily enjoyed my retirement, you know, stayed back, not do anything. But for the 2016 election, I was brought back. I'm now working uh, harder than I worked in my professional career. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether it is good or bad, but uh, uh, I, I, I'm I'm certain it's good. Having listened to some of the stories you've helped uh, put out, uh, out out there, so that's amazing. I'm, I'm proud of you. It's awesome. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, my thinking is, uh, I I think it is it is good that we are talking about immigration, and we should continue to talk about that. And I think we should continue to you know, thrive for countries like Canada, uh, you know, where it is a little bit more uh, welcoming, I think, you know, we have a while to go, but it's a major setback, you know, um, we have to move forward with from where we are at, you know? Yes, for sure. Well, uh, this is um, a very important work that you're doing. It's, it's, it's fascinating to hear um, some of the things that you've uncovered and learned and, and, and shared with the community uh, that you live in and the community that is uh, uh, aware of your, your important program, the immigrant story. I, I just want to end on a, a note to kind of help you in this important work that you're doing. So like any organization, I know that, um, you know, donations are always welcome. So that's one thing. Uh, and I'll, I'll make sure that we re- reiterate the website, but also you're looking always for more stories. So talk to the listeners about what you're looking for and how people should contact you. Yeah, uh, absolutely wonderful. Thank you. So we are looking for stories of immigrants. You know, if you are an immigrant, of, you know, immigrant, and you want to tell your story, uh, we are here for you. Uh, just to drop a note, you know, you can go to our website. Uh, there is a contact form you can fill in very easy. Uh, send us a note uh, and tell us a little bit about, you know, what kind of stories you have. We love to hear from you um, and uh, we want to tell your story. And I think this America is uh, full of stories of all of us. You know, your story, my story and everyone's story is what is the America story. So I want to hear about all the stories. Uh, from listeners. And of course, you can go and enjoy, um, read one story, pick up a story, uh, or listen to our podcast, come to our events if you are in Northwest. Uh, If you want to invite us to your city, we will be there. We do storytelling in every single form possible. So uh, we are storytellers. That's all we do. All right. And it's theimmigrantstory.org. Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very impressed. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. 
Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.